You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm in beautiful Montreal, Quebec, where Atlanta United and Montreal fought to a 1-1 draw in a game that was as exciting in the first half as it was, or as exciting in the second half as it was boring in the first half. Um... To wrap it up, uh, the, the housekeeping stuff real quick. The first goal was Julian Gressel in the 53rd minute on an assist by Emerson Hyman. A beautiful, beautiful goal. And then Montreal tied it in the 81st minute, uh, crossed by Aquanquo to uh, Bojan Kirkic, uh, continuing Leandro Gonzalez Perez's really unlucky week. Uh, he was the one that got rounded by Aquanquo uh, for the cross. Uh, Kirkich just found a little hole in the defense and was able to poke it in. Uh, it wasn't a great shot, but it just went into the right spot. Atlanta United had a goal late, called back because of offside to match the one in the first half that Jeff Renowitz scored that was called back. And then uh, Jop made two unbelievable saves to stop shots from going into his upper left corner, one by Viaba and one by Barco. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and SoccerDownHere.net and by Mike Conti because I wanted to bring in a special guest because we're in we're in Montreal. I wasn't sure what the exchange rate was on Radio Guys to podcast, so I got two of them you get a good deal. instead of just one. I think it's a fantastic deal. It's a good deal here in Montreal at a wonderful Stade Saputo. On a chilly Montreal night. Jason, what did you make of the game tonight? It's progress. I mean, it's not, it's not good. Um, this team expects to be better, but after the match on Wednesday, it's a step in the right direction. I thought the first half was very restrained. The first half, to me, felt like a lot of focus on the organization, a lot of focus on the defensive side, for sure, after what happened on Wednesday. I'll take that. And they started to open up as the game went on. I think positives. Uh, Tito Vialba looked much, much, much better tonight. Ezekiel Barco looked very good. Um, Michael Parkhurst looked very good before he had to leave the match with a substitution. Jeff Lorenowitz came in and I thought helped the midfield stay a little more organized. And you got to give a lot of kudos to Julian Gressel, who early on in the first half took a knock, was hobbling. At one point, Atlanta had three players warming up, potentially going to substitute him. And the goal's a grinding effort. I mean, it's a great one-two with Pitti, then a great one-two with Heinemann, and Gressel's just chugging along forward and gets the touch with the left foot. Mike, what'd you make of it? 
Well, <clears throat> I feel a lot more optimistic after tonight than I did leaving <laughs> Yankee Stadium. But I, I have to be honest, Doug, I even feel more optimistic leaving here tonight than I did leaving the Benz after the 3-1 win over San Jose mm. because there was such a, a question about Joseph's injury at that time. I think Atlanta United played better tonight than they have in a few of their wins this year, to be totally honest with you. But I also think it's a draw that felt like a draw. You know, you have draws that feels like they should be wins, draws that you feel like you're lucky. And this felt like a draw to me. You you were statistically a little bit better than Montreal, not a lot better. But the reason why I'm optimistic, Doug, is I think you've figured some things out that might be able to help you in the postseason. I think you've figured out now that Michael Parkhurst can really help you in the postseason. I don't know if he took a knock at the end of the it was game. Cramps. Or, cramps. Cramps. Okay, that's good. That That's good then. So it's not... You know, a long-term injury. I, th- I thought he looked really very good tonight considering he had not played in more than two months. Uh, I think Lorenowitz and Parkhurst as your spine or kind of the base of your spine in a playoff game where you might be a little more conservative, a little more grindy over 90 minutes could really help you. And then I thought Barco came in and looked fantastic. Yep. And, you know, it, it will probably be... A very cautious approach with him this coming Sunday, but all signs seem to be towards a 90 minutes fit Barco in time for your first playoff game on October 19th. And I think that's extremely important, regardless of what happens with Joseph Martinez. Yeah, to be fair though, uh, Emerson Heinemann has played really, really well. I thought he had another solid game tonight. His on Gressel's goal. Uh, there was a fantastic pass from Pitti. It was a good run that Gressel credited by Lorenowitz to open up space in that right channel. Emerson made another run ahead of him to receive that ball and hit that back heel pass. Emerson's dummy to Vasquez in the first half that Vasquez put over the bar. I don't know why Emerson didn't shoot it, but it still resulted in what should have been a goal. little behind uh, him. I don't know what he could have got on it. Uh, I think that's why he let it run. I think he thought Vasquez was a little bit closer to him as well. But anyway, if you have a spine of throwing it out there, Parkhurst, Lorowitz, Nagby, Hyman, or Barco, that's a pretty good disciplined spine up the middle when, as we learned last year, defense is the priority in the playoffs. Um, That's not a knock on Barco's defense. It's more that I think most people would agree that Emerson's defense is probably a little more consistent than Barco's might be. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. But it depends upon, you know, the opponent and the situations you're going to face in which you decide. I think, you know, Vasquez struggled in in his time tonight. Uh, I think he just looked rusty, a little I, bit out of sorts. I, I, I didn't think he played poorly. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't that he played poorly. It just I, I think he could have done better. He didn't really have the impact on the match that, that you need out of that. I, I thought they looked better going forward once it was Barco and Pitti up top. And then the, and Viaba. Especially yeah. up top. And I only bring that up because I'm curious what they'll do next week uh, against New England with that striker position. I th- I don't think Joseph will start. If Joseph plays, I think it'll be more coming off a bench thing if he's needed just to make sure he's going to be nice and healthy for the playoffs yeah. rather than risk it. Honestly, I think you're looking at the same lineup. Okay. I really do. Your bench might be different. I say that because I don't think Barco is 90 minutes ready yet. Now, if they feel like they can get 60 out of him, then maybe it's different. Maybe you would consider starting him. Yeah. Um, I, I think right now, you, you know, you're probably approaching it, Doug, from 
boy, if you and we we don't want to speculate on Joseph. I really don't know if if he's going to be available this week or not. But I think he would approach it. Well, if you can get forty five out of Joseph in the second half, that's great. If you can get a half hour out of Tito in the second half. That's great, but I think until you know the answers to that, you're going same lineup. Yeah. And, and Vasquez just didn't get service. It's the same thing as it was in New York. It just wasn't getting touches. You know, now different type of match, obviously, yeah. much different type of match. It just felt like he didn't get a lot of touches tonight, and that's not all on him. Yeah, Vasquez finished with 33 touches in 63 minutes. Uh, four shots, two on goal, one chance created. So all in all, statistically, yeah, a yeah, better, a little bit yeah. better than I thought. The um, shots on goal was the free kick. Yeah. yeah he, he kinda, but the shot yeah. before that that forced a good save from Diop in the first half, that was from distance and not a typical Brandon Vasquez shot. That was unexpected. So, you know, we, we talked about this, uh, Leandro's unlucky week. Uh, you could argue four goals at NYCFC were part of partly his responsibility. Yeah. The one tonight, partly his responsibility. Do you start him against New England? Yes. Or do you just kind of give him a break? No, I think you got to start him. You got to start him. Okay. I, I, I just don't think you have anyone else who can step into that role right now because Franco Escobar hasn't really looked all that great either, and he didn't see the field today. Parkhurst looked good. Um, Robinson is obviously going to start, and Pogba had his moments both today and in New York as well. I think you need LGT to play through it. Agreed. Yeah, uh, you have no better option right now. And Leandro, when he switched on, is still like a borderline best eleven defender in this league. Like he's just he so inconsistent, and, and his highs are really, really high, and his lows are really, really low. That goal uh, that Bojan scored was 100% on him. I mean, that, that is, we called it that way. That, that is 100% him losing a 1v1 uh, to a Quonquil. That's on him. That's why you don't walk out of here with three points. But I still think he can do more good than harm in the long run. If you wanted to give him a break, then what are you doing? You're probably putting Pogba back in. Uh, you're going to Parkhurst again, or you're putting Fracco in there. And I think this team needs some consistency right now. They need some continuity in their back three. What was the stat that Kevin Egan gave us before the, the match that Atlanta United has only played consecutive matches with the same back three? Yeah, no, three the one, times the one that I dug into. That one. That, um, you've only had since the Houston game, since you went to the 3-5-2, the back line that we saw in New York was the only one that had played three consecutive matches in that run, and they won all three until the New York match. The only other one that has played more as a group is Leandro on the left, Miles in the middle, and Franco on the right. They played six times in that time frame. It's been a lot of mixing and matching. I think you'd like to get the group that you expect to start the playoff opener together. I didn't bring it up as a knock on Leandro because I think he's been one of the better center backs in MLS the previous two years. Yeah. But this season, he's you know he's had quite a few games that aren't up to the standard he set the previous two years. He's played a lot of soccer. I just don't know if if I'm I'm a guy who often wonders why coaches don't give more players just more of a mental break. Almost a vacation in the season. Just go get away for a few days. At, Just clear I, your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at that might point, be something that Leandro. Okay, that, that's the only thing. If this was July, I'd be I'd be far more willing to do it. I, I don't think you can here. Where you just need to try to find a little consistency. And if Parkhurst is going to be part of the back three in the postseason, you'd like to get those three playing another match together. Yeah, I think Parkhurst has got to start. 
That's, I think so. He's, I, he's got I mean, for a whole lot of reasons. Yeah. I, well, I think tonight it felt like there was better leadership, better poise uh, in a road match tonight than there was on Wednesday. And I think some of that's Lorenowitz too. Yeah, yeah but but it's just it's not the same when your goalkeeper is wearing the armband as opposed to an outfield right. player. Uh, and I, I think Michael Parkhurst is going to be a part of the plan going forward in the postseason. I think Atlanta United is better with him out there than with him on the bench. I think the other part of it, and I thought it was a very important part today, first half we mentioned it. The wing backs stayed home a lot more, and they dropped into the back line a lot more now. Part of that is because of what happened on Wednesday, but I think also part of it is to protect Parkhurst and Lorenowitz from those counterattacks because you don't want Parkhurst in foot races. So if you have your wing backs stay back more, you're going to be a little bit stronger defensively. Now you sacrifice a little more going forward, but that's the trade-off. You have to sacrifice somewhere. I don't think you win MLS Cup by winning games 4-2, 5-3. I think you win it by winning games 1-0. And you've got to be better defensively to do that. Yeah, it, it really did feel like there was a lot fewer helter-skelter moments mm-hmm. on defense than in the previous four or five games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's because of Parkhurst. I don't know if that's because of Lernowitz. I don't know if that's because of Montreal. But whatever the reason, I mean, Piotti and Bojan are not going to stretch you vertically. You know, uh, but, but with a, speed. A can. Yeah. And, and Lapalainen could. Right. Uh, but anyway, for whatever reason, it's going to be something for Frank, I'm sure, to chew on. So now uh, Philadelphia lost to Columbus, two to nothing. Atlanta United trails the Union by one point. No, no, they're even on points. Atlanta United second, and Atlanta United Doug has one more win oh, than Philadelphia. I've got to update my story because so, I got that wrong. <laughs> so as long for some as, reason, I thought Philadelphia was two points ahead. No, what, so they're even now. So Atlanta United is second. So here's what it means, Doug. As long Doug as frantically, yeah, <laughs> no, it's okay. Right. No, I'm, 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 I'm glad we brought this up. I'm tired. So, so here's what it means: Atlanta United, as long as they get a matching result to Philadelphia on Sunday, they're going to be the number two seed. Now, here's what's interesting. I still think you want to go out and win this match. Yeah, uh, I think it's important because a, it, it, it's the only way you know for sure you're not going to have to rely on anyone to help you. B. With all due respect to the New England Revolution and Gustavo Bo and and Carlos Hill, would you rather play New England or Toronto or New York Red Bulls in your first playoff game? That's an easy choice to me Mm -hmm. as New England. The only way you can assure that New England is going to lock itself into the seventh seed is if you beat them. Because New England, if they win, they could go all the way up to fifth, and then Toronto or Red Bulls could drop. So I, it's still a very important match for Atlanta United, even though they're now in the driver's seat. The other interesting element is New York City is locked into the number one seed now because Philadelphia lost. So New York City doesn't necessarily have a whole lot to play for this coming Sunday, where they will get Tinner home back. I think they're getting Keaton Parks back. Possibly. Uh, possibly. Possibly James Sands as well. Uh, and they have all those yellow card accumulation players coming back too, like Ring and Cheneau and everyone that Alan Chapman got suspended on Wednesday. So Philadelphia is going to be favored in that match at home uh, on Sunday. Now they need some help to get the number two seed. But it, it's going to be a very intriguing decision day. Seeds two through seven 
are all up in the air going into decision day. And there are a lot of matchups that I think Atlanta United would like to avoid. The only way to control it is to get that win. Jason? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with it. I, I think when you look at who Atlanta United could see in the postseason when you're looking at D.C., Red Bulls, Toronto, and New England. If I'm going to rank them in order of who I'd like to see, New England's at the top of that list. At the bins, I'm going to take D.C. next. I agree. I agree with that. I'm going to take Toronto next, and I don't want to see the Red Bulls in that match. Not the first one. I don't want to see it just because of how difficult the style is. How fun would it be, though, to see Frank DeBoer against Bruce Arena tactically in a 90-minute knockout playoff game where you could go to 120 in pens? I think it would be the the coaching matchup of the first round, with all due respect to Jim Curtin and... Um, you know, Domi Taran and, and every, uh, Bob Bradley, everyone who's done a remarkable job this year in this league. Boy, to have Frank DeBoer against Bruce Arena and potentially Joseph coming back to 90 Minutes Fitness, uh, it would be a very attractive first-round game. I wouldn't want to see Atlanta United play Red Bulls. Uh, New England or Toronto, to me, is a toss-up. Uh, I like the matchup at Mercedes-Benz Stadium either way. Um, DC we will the see. other possibility, depending on how it falls. But D.C. hosts Cincinnati. I don't want to see Atlanta United play D.C. because they... At the Benz, I don't have a problem with it. By the way, the, the Western Conference right now, Stupid. as we record this, drunk. Portland just went down 2-1 to SKC. Yeah. Uh, Got down, a red card, too. The, and, and they have a red card. So Brian Fernandez, this could put the Earthquakes back in the playoffs mm-hmm. because they play the Quakes on decision day. So I, I, I like what the league did today, the simultaneous matches. Obviously, they're going to do it again next Sunday. This is going to be a really fun decision day. Much lower stakes for Atlanta United this year compared to last, but still stakes. Uh, and I'll be very curious to see how Atlanta United responds because the Benz has been their fortress this year. Now, with New England's win, what does that mean for TV programming and radio programming? Does it affect Well, radio, radio will be the same. TV, I'd be... The same, which is... Uh, I'm sorry. Thank you, Doug. Thank, <laughs> thank you for your retweets, by the way. We're on, we're on Star 94-1 at 3.30 this Sunday. TV, they can flex the game to national. I really doubt they would. Well, it's I, a little tricky because I think they would have taken NYC Philadelphia. Yeah. Now I don't think they will. So might they take Atlanta, New England? Yeah, because you'll have a big crowd. You'll have the bends. It's possible. Um, have to look out west and see how it shakes out tonight. As Seattle, to Minnesota would be in, Seattle, Minnesota would be in play. In Seattle? In Seattle. That could be the one. Portland, San Jose would be in play. Um, uh, I've got to figure the Atlanta-Boston TV markets are much better than the Minnesota-Seattle TV I don't know if Boston, I don't know if New England drives the TV market, though. It, well, and then you also have to, you have to look at the Patriots and what are they doing. I mean, yeah. that, that's part of it, too. I think the other thing you have to keep in mind, Doug, is even if it gets flexed, I think it is still on Fox Sports South. Uh, I think they let the local... I'm not positive. I don't but think so. I think they pick or one. Don't game they do whip around? They do a whip around that has all the local okay. ones, but they have one national broadcast as well. We'll leave your listeners in suspense on that <laughs> one, Doug. Jason, what do you have upcoming other than a trip to Poutineville? Poutineville first, and I'm <laughs> excited about it. And then uh, tomorrow it'll be an overreaction Monday, normal time on the Soccer Down Here app, on soccerdownhere.net, on Spreaker. 9 a.m. I'll be doing it live from the hotel in Montreal before we uh, head back in the late afternoon. 
Vancouver is beating the LA Galaxy. Yeah. Which yeah. just makes yeah. me laugh. Oh, nuts. one more thing we have coming up too with uh, soccer down here. Tuesday night, ahead of the Copa Libertadores first leg of the semifinal between River Plate and Boca Juniors, we're doing soccer over there live from the brew house, doing a viewing party for the game. So we'll talk about all the Champions League that happens Tuesday, everything from the weekend around the world, but then get you set for Boca and River, which. If you've never experienced the Super Classico, this is a great one to jump in on because both teams are playing very well in Argentina. It should be a huge match. Is Pitti Martinez coming to the brew house? Uh, I don't think so. I think Pitti's probably going to watch that one at home because he might be throwing things and kicking things. <laughs> Mike, you have anything upcoming? I'm going to be reading all the great coverage in the AJC. Oh. Uh-huh. No, I'm and I, I, no, I mean this sincerely. This is our last potentially last road game of the year, certainly the last road regular season game. Doug, you've been with us every step of the way. I think you, me, and Jay, well, heck, you even did Open Cup. We weren't allowed to do that. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been here for every kick from the beginning, and I know there's some stuff going on on social media tonight. I I just want people to understand that the AJC has done a a terrific job covering this team, and uh, I I hope that everyone understands that um, the words of one do not speak for the words of all. Thank you, Mike. Um, I, obviously, this podcast will be up. Uh, I think I'm going to Poutineville. Yes. Um, and then I'll post uh, player ratings. I'll have a little short sidebar on Michael Parkhurst, a little short sidebar on Ezekiel Barco, and then a little short sidebar on setting up this final game. Um, that one will probably be filed in the morning. The others will probably be coming tonight. Uh, again, Atlanta United, Montreal, 1-1 here in beautiful Quebec. At Stad Saputo, I want to apologize for a tweet I put out earlier when I said I wasn't a fan of Stad Saputo. <laughs> I was grumpy. I couldn't find where I needed to go. All the signs were in French. I was being an ignorant American, and that's all on me. The people here were more than helpful. It's a beautiful stadium, fantastic atmosphere. If you ever get a chance to come here for a road game, I would highly encourage it. The wife and I, I shouldn't say the wife. That sounds so condescending. My wife and I had a wonderful time here last year. Uh, anyway. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for all of our coverage of Atlanta United, the Braves in a playoff chase, the Falcons to see what is going to happen with them, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, who I think are going to be better than people expect this year, uh, Georgia remains in third in the AP poll, Chip Towers does a fantastic job there, Georgia Tech is struggling in football and now unfortunately is going to have kind of a lost season in basketball after the NCAA's beyond squirrely punishment, which really aggravates me because North Carolina, systematic cheating, Louisville, systematic cheating, Baylor is just the worst thing in the history of college sports, but Georgia Tech is the one that keeps getting the hammer dropped on it. (laughs) Aggravates me to no end. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.